0: Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Joshua. I mean, you knew if I was going to preach a few days, a few weeks in a row, we won't get into the Old Testament. So uh, we are going to read out of Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine. Hear the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we're gonna talk about Joshua a little bit. I need to give you, I feel like, just a little bit of background before we jump into what's happening in this book. Uh, Joshua was uh, named by Moses as his assistant. Um, so he, Moses had Aaron who was his mouthpiece and then he had Joshua who kind of was his assistant. He was kind of growing up uh, to be maybe the next leader. The first time we stumble upon Joshua in scripture is in Exodus 17 and the people are already in the wilderness and uh, there's been some grumbling and some things that have happened. And uh, Moses, uh, well God really, but through Moses, they experience kind of the miracle of the water out of the rock. Not long after that miracle happens, the Amalekites attack the people of God in the wilderness. And Moses assigns Joshua to gather a group of ragtag military in their, their kind of group of people and go and take care of the attack. And they are successful. So this first time we really kind of get a mention of Joshua, we get a mention of somebody who has some leadership abilities, someone who other people will follow. And more than that, probably also has maybe some um, unknown, uncharted at this point, but is going to grow into some military type of leadership as well. We see uh, Joshua again in Exodus 24. In Exodus chapter 24, uh, God calls Moses up to take the law and he brings a group of people with him to kind of stay down at the bottom of the mountain. And Joshua kind of goes up higher to wait while Moses goes up the rest of the way. So while everybody else is camped down by the bottom, Joshua gets to go just a little bit closer to the presence of God, where Moses will receive the law. Now we know what's happening down at the bottom. If you know anything about scripture, the people down at the bottom are making some real bad choices, right? And Joshua can kind of hear him from a distance. So when Moses starts to come down, Joshua is kind of warning him a little bit. There's some things that are kind of happening. And then Moses gets down and then there's a big hubbub. And to do because the people have um, lost faith. They have decided that Moses was gone too long. And so eventually Moses has to go back up to the mountain and receive the law again because there's a little kerfuffle of the tablets being broken and all that kind of stuff. And Joshua kind of goes up to a distance with him. Now, again, we see Joshua in Numbers 13, and Joshua is one of the 12 spies that have been chosen by Moses to go in and inspect the promised land that God has given and promised to the people all the way back with Abraham. And finally, God says, it's time to take this beautiful land. Unfortunately, when the spies come back, 10 of the 12 say, "Uh uh-uh, we can't do it. I mean, the land is great, but the people are huge and they are gonna take us and we cannot go in. We're we're gonna be decimated. But Joshua and a guy named Caleb say, no, God said that land is ours. And if we trust and have faith in God, then he's gonna make a way for us to be able to defeat all of these people and take this land that has been our promise, for so very long because God keeps his promises. Weren't you a part of the story? Didn't you see what God has done? He released us from captivity in Egypt. He parted a sea for us people. He made water come out of a rock. He made quail and manna come down, which is just a crazy thing that happens. And then it disappears on Sunday, on the day that you're supposed to have Sabbath, right? Like God has done. Amazing things. Don't you think that God is a God who continues to keep his promise? Unfortunately, those two guys didn't win out in the argument. And the people of God wander in the desert for 40 years. And finally, at the end of the 40 years, God says, it's time again. It's time for us to take the land. But unfortunately Moses can't go into the land as the leader. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses is kind of in his last moments and he calls Joshua to him and he says, tag your it now. It's time for you to take over the people and lead them into the promise that God has always had for us. And what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 31 is be strong and bold. For you are the one who will go with the people in the land that the Lord has sworn their ancestors to give them. And you will put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, don't those words sound kind of familiar? Because didn't we just read them on the front end of the book of Joshua? In the front end of the book of Joshua, Moses has passed away. It is now official that Joshua is the leader of the people of God and the Lord comes to him and says these powerful words to him. Be strong and courageous, he says. Trust me, the Lord says. The Lord gives him this directive. And note the phrase that he says, I am giving them the land to you. I, the Lord, who was always going to do what I said I would do, will give you this land. Every place that the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you just as I promised. Now, here's a little tidbit or fact about walking or treading or feet of the Old Testament that maybe you don't know, and I I find this very fascinating. There's an ancient custom at the time, um, at this time of marking of land transfer, and the land would be walked by the new person who owned it on the perimeter of the land. So when you did that with your sandals, you marked that this land now belongs to me. Well, as the people of God walk it, They are the movement and the mouthpiece and the example and the the carrying of God. So basically they say where we have walked now belongs and honestly has always belonged to the Lord. There's another piece of this. It used to be that when you um, made a covenant that you would exchange sandals so if we needed to transfer land or we needed to transfer any kind of possession back in the time of the Old Testament in this time, we would meet at the gate of a city, we would determine the terms, and then we would exchange sandals. Done. Covenant has been made. Now, what if we did that today? How intriguing would that be if we just walked around and walked to land and exchanged sandals now instead of doing some of the other things that they did? There's a a very specific story that you may know about the story of Ruth and Boaz. When Boaz meets the other kinsman uh, at the city gate and he says, I want to take Ruth as my wife and I need some land and all that kind of stuff. Um, We want to retake the land that was was Naomi's. And the guy says, well, I don't want to marry her. So here we go. We're going to exchange sandals. And that's how it happened. So when God says, the land that you're gonna walk on, you get this visual, right? The possession everywhere where the people of God walked, that stated, this is God's place. This is God's possession. What if, what if where we walked on a daily basis, that's how we acted and reacted That was the intent of our heart. Where our feet landed day to day, moment to moment was God's. We claimed it in that moment for God to be there in the midst, for God to do what God is gonna do, that is His holy space. As one other note, in scripture you see tons of time, people removed their shoes when they stepped onto an altar space or into the temple or tabernacle. Because the idea was that you removed the profane, the sin, all that kind of dirt and ugliness, and you stepped into a clean, holy space. Everywhere your foot landed. Could we, what would it look like if we claimed it for God every day? But God says in the scripture, I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous. God says four times in one chapter. Be strong and courageous. Now, I'm going to pose to you. You may have heard scriptures and sermons on being strong and courageous and they have been awesome. I believe we are to be strong and courageous for the Lord. I believe he gives us his strength. I'm gonna push a little bit more and say that not only is God asking us to lean into his strength and to be bold, but I also believe that God says, what I'm asking you to do is be strong and courageous in being people of the word. If you notice in the scripture, he says be very strong and courageous when he gets to talking about the book of the law. Why? Why would he say that? The book of the law was God's protection for his people. It was his love letter to the people to say, this is how much I love you that I've put these beautiful parameters around you. I've helped you to know what will keep you safe and what potentially can harm you. And he says you should meditate on it every day. That word meditate in scripture means to murmur to constantly have it moving in your mouth like you would chew food, but to move it around in your mouth, to murmur it all moments of the day. And the implication is that it's not just private, it's corporate. Joshua as the leader of the people of God was to ensure that the law of God, the Torah, was the center of not only his life, but of the life of the people of God. Deuteronomy 6 tells us the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And if you keep these words that I've commanded to you in your heart, recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away and when you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house as you go through the gates. So I would venture to say that these words of encouragement of God about being strong and courageous, it's not just about going in battle, though they needed to be strong and courageous as God sent them in to take the land. So much more, I think, that we miss is that God is saying, be strong and courageous to know my word. Be strong and courageous to follow the story. Be strong and courageous to dedicate yourself to know the right teachings, to know my will, to know my way. And not only that, but to murmur it in community with each other and outside the walls of this community. Don't be afraid to speak the word of God. Step into the truth and obedience following this book. And as we talked about last week in regard to allowing Jesus to be your rabbi, learning from his teachings, where are his teachings? They're in this love letter. They're in this love story that starts from the very beginning of how much God loves us. This, the words, the words we recite after we read scripture on Sunday, the words we just, you just heard and agreed with, The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God that we have a story, a love story that tells us who we are, that tells us who God is. There are tons of other things these days that are trying to tell us who we are. And too often, we just let it happen. This is the book. This is the story. These are the words that tell us who we are. Would we be brave enough and bold enough and strong enough and courageous enough to be people of the book who murmur it constantly? And then when we walk, we claim places in the name of the Lord and we declare truth in those places. And I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about living your life just how you live on a daily basis, is this, is this book our book? Are we the people of the book? We have the opportunity to partake of communion, this amazing experience where we get to take as a community, receive the gift of Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection, the foundation of who we are as a people of God and what we believe. And so I encourage you when you come up that you would really receive, maybe in a new way, partake, And then maybe you need to ask God to help you to be people who murmur the powerful Word of God. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.